This is Hank for the Wildflower Bee Farm. It's August 26, 2021. So much going on at the farm today. And if you follow us on Instagram or Facebook or go to wildflowerbeefarm.com, you'll see a lot of the video stories. And this, this audio podcast gives me a chance to talk a little bit more about certain happenings and things in more detail and there there is one i just can't get out of my head yet uh, yesterday i was doing a, watching a video and collecting data on a hive that we call the um st robert school hive it's a it's a log hive um that has been populated with a swarm and it's about i think they said yesterday the um temperature is actually around 40 degrees maybe 30 plus i know inside that log hive it's about 35 to 32 degrees and so yesterday in the afternoon there were uh, a significant and i'm going to do a video on this in the future at the b science club by the way the b science club is launching uh, uh on monday so um hopefully you'll have a look in uh, you know features coloring pages and you know sort of like the, the old style book of the month club every month your uh, child or grandchild will get uh, access to new coloring pages and a new video and all that kind of great stuff. But anyway, I was watching this hive and it occurred to me that there were there was a pile of bees outside the entrance. Now, in traditional beekeeping, we talk about you know they're they're bearding because it's too warm. There's too many bees in there and they need to get out to make it cooler. And that's all true. And I watched this too. I went to. Um, uh, a fellow, uh, a beekeeper's property where he has bees, and there was a, a couple of the hives that were doing the same thing. But when I look closely with the uh, close-up of the camera, within inches, bees were on top of each other. So we know that in, uh, in the winter, bees cluster. They get on top of each other because it keeps them warm, because they, they're able to maintain the temperature. So I started thinking, and I started looking, I could find no information on this. Why on earth, when it's 40 degrees or 30-something, and, and which feels like 40 degrees, and the humidity, and it's just hot, and it's just not great outside, are the bees piled on top of each other? Wouldn't that make them get hotter or perhaps even die? How do bees stay cool by being on top of each other, by being in a cluster, if you will, a different type of cluster, because it's flat, it's on top. There's probably two or three layers of bees I noticed. The bees on the bottom sat very still. They almost looked like statues. And every once in a while, a number of bees, well, actually constantly, a number of bees would come and join the pile. And I'm thinking, okay, I know that bees inside the hive, there were a significant number of bees coming in without any pollen and probably bringing perhaps nectar, but more likely water. So bees bring in water to cool down the inside of a hive during these times. So at the front of the entrance, there were probably five or And remember, we're talking a, just a hole that was drilled in this log, so probably an inch, an inch in diameter. And there were probably four or five bees just flapping, bringing in the, you know, trying to circulate the air. And constantly, bees were coming in, I think, bringing in water. Now, we're fortunate because uh, all of our bees are within yards of a pond, a fresh water source. So they have lots of water. So I'm thinking, well, how would we find out if the bees bringing water inside the hive and spraying it and making it cooler, they have some kind of a strategy where they've adapted uh, use of water, in our case, 
to keep them cool when they're outside. And I'm thinking, maybe the bees that are coming and joining the pile, it's not a swarm, they're not swarming, because there's, there's none of that behavior. And it just doesn't appear to be the similar type of behavior we see. And this is happening every day, so this would be, you know, and, and there's not a significant number of them, and they stay and they come out in the heat. So this is a common behavior. What if they're bringing in water and somehow spraying it and staying cool because the, the, the lower bees in the lower section would be in the shade, if you will, of the upper section. And if there's water coming down, I mean, if you were, if you were in a pile of humans and there was cold water coming in regularly, you'd, you'd be pretty cool. I think you'd stay cool. Um, I don't know. Or what if they have a, another thermal way to regulate their temperature that we have no clue about? No one's written about I tried to you know, look at the scientific literature and all of that. And I haven't been able to find it yet. I'm going to keep digging, and if I do, I'll, I'll bring it up in future podcasts. So that was really, really on my mind today. The, um, the ability of bees to cool themselves, I realized them leaving the hive would make the hive cooler because if there's too many bees, they'll put off too much heat. But why is it that they layer on top of each other when they're outside of the hive in very high temperatures? Someone needs to maybe, you know, throw an Instagram up there or go to our Facebook page and, and tell us about this. Because this is, this is something I have no idea what's going on. The second thing we've noticed, and again, this is just observation yesterday in doing a, a, another walk around the property. The, the number of natural pollinators appears to f just surpass any honeybees we have on the property. Um, the... Goldenrod is starting to pop out and bloom, and, and wherever you see a goldenrod, I mean, we're going to have probably 25, 35 acres of goldenrod. Wherever you see the goldenrod blooming, you see wasps, you see, um, you know, carpenter bees, all kinds of bumblebees, different insects, butterflies, moths. It, it doesn't matter what, you see them, and occasionally you'll see a bee. Now, there could be a lot of reasons for this. We have 25 active hives on the property. And I would think most of them are pretty loaded up with honey, but still, you would think, and we do see the bees coming and going with pollen, and you're going to see those if you go to wildflowerbeefarm.com, you'll see those um, videos we're putting up. But it, it really is a, a good sign that after two years of, only two years, and the, the farm has been uh, farmed for 75 years, so you had 75 years of agriculture, probably the last 20 very intensively farmed, the last 10 with all this Roundup Ready corn and stuff, which is fine. I mean, that's what farmers do. And we were part of that. And we did that too. And that's part of improving your yield and, you know, producing more food. But after 75 years or more of this, within two years, the farm is starting to return to nature. Now, we have a long way to go. But it's so fascinating to watch how quickly things take over. And the final thought is, and this is where I'm, I'm, I'm having trouble with this one as well, is the Darwinian beekeeping where you simply can't intervene when, it, when you see a hive struggling because they're weak. But the other part I'm having trouble with are weeds. No matter how much I read it, I understand that burdock is excellent and obviously milkweed and all the different uh, things that used to be weeds that now we know help pollinators and natural pollinators. I just have this temptation to, bush, to get my bush hog and go over some of this, <laughs> some of the weeds that are popping up. And I won't do that because obviously that's not. But it just is, is sort of a self-regulatory thing for me to realize how much when you're, when you're around farming, 
you, you, you engage in those behaviors because you always have. And obviously my cutting down burdock or milkweed is not helpful for what our goals are on the farm, which is to return it to nature and propagate uh, an amazing uh, environment for nature and also honeybees. So just as a thought, it's not easy. You know, when we talk about people, you know, converting their lawns, you know, if you have a lawn that you cut, you cut your grass, you have a beautiful lawn. And then someone comes along and says, well, you could grow wildflowers and stop cutting your grass to help pollinators. You're, you're gonna, you, <laughs> you'd have a real hard time with that, not just because you may not believe in it, but because you're, you've been cutting your grass for who knows how many years and getting people to come in and take care of the weeds and you know edging it with a weed eater and all that crazy stuff. And it looks like a golf fairway or golf putting green. And then, you know, the world says, well, geez, if everyone just planted more clover and wildflowers and, you know, black-eyed Susans that we have all, the pop, by the way, they're popping up all over the farm. We planted them in our wildflower seed mix, and it's pretty exciting to, to sit back and look at what's happening. But within that, we have pigweed and all those weeds that we used to fight uh, when we were farming. So just want to bring that up as a sense of maybe venting and, and uh feeling better but you can't just change human behavior quickly it's a it's a real challenge to stop you know i've never had the key in the ignition with the bush hog to go out and do it but i've come close um and then i realize when i look at what's in there i just take a close look at what's in this mass of what we used to think would be grass or weeds there's actually blooming blossoms on the bottom there may be some alsic clover creeping in there's a you know there's a frost aster or two there's a there's a um a goldenrod starting to appear, and even some thistle. You look and you see thistle, and you go, oh, man, thistle. And then you realize that thistle is an outstanding uh, plant for most pollinators. So this is Hank from the Wildflower Bee Farm. Thanks for listening. This is, this is uh, it's been a lot of fun. We're working very hard. Let's tell you updates. We're working very hard to get the um, videos of what's happening on the farm. We'll be processing them throughout the year. Uh, we're launching the Bee Science Club on Monday. And, you know, the Bee Science Club, I was thinking about this week, it's really about, I can remember being in elementary school. And one of the greatest things I remember was once a month we'd get like a magazine. I don't know if it was Owl Magazine or some magazine would come. And we were able to, to read it and have it and talk about it and science. And it came every month and it was exciting. It was just something to talk about. And it made you feel special. So with the Bee Science Club, once a month um, children will get... Um, access to five coloring book pages, a special video with some activities written by a classroom teacher so that you can sit down with your children and grandchildren and, you know, color and talk and just talk about everything. It's not so much about science, although that would be great if they learned some things, but it's really about the time you spend. It's the quality time around the kitchen table that doesn't include any technology. Once you go to the site and print off the coloring books, turn off the coloring pages for that month, turn off your computers, turn off the TVs, turn off the you know, the PlayStations and the games or whatever you're playing, and just color and, and, and just sit with your child and say, what would you like me to do? And they may say, watch me, or they may say, color with me, or here you can color this in green or something, and just spend some time with your kids around the coloring book t or the coloring page table uh, thanks to the Bee Science Club. So go to wildflowerbeeform.com starting Monday. You can sign up. Remember, we um, it's... Um, We've kept it at a reasonable $15 a year to be a member, and $5 goes back to your child's classroom to purchase whatever the teacher thinks they need, and $10 goes to support our efforts here at the Wildflower Bee Farm. You have an amazing day, and talk soon.